again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast. We are back with episode number 155. I'm Michael Citro. I'm the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. We cover Orlando City SC, Orlando Pride, Orlando City B, the Sea Wolves, the national teams. Heck, we cover a lot of things, but uh, we are primarily an Orlando City SC blog. And uh, joining me, one of our senior columnists up in Tallahassee, David Rowe. Dave, how are you this week? I'm uh, I'm doing great. Um, it's always nice to do this after a uh, after a win, especially on the road. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was a purple Monday at work for me. I'm sure it was for you, and um, I'm I'm feeling really good this week. Yeah, that was a very nice uh, surprise. I think we I think we both uh, predicted a three-one Red Bulls victory in that game. Correct. And it ended up being a one-nil. Orlando City victory in that game, and we are taking our personal L with a, uh, a big fat smile on our faces because uh, we're very happy to be wrong in instances like this because um, yep. we just didn't see this coming off the Montreal game, uh, coming off of a couple of uh, decentish performances where they couldn't quite get the results. The 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 Lions end up uh, losing 3-1 to Montreal at home and then have to go play the Shield winners on the road, a place that they hadn't won since 2015 and uh, had been, I think, outscored 9-3 in those four contests that they lost. And uh, they go in there and, you know, goals change games. And Orlando City was able to get the first goal of the game and uh, just really unbelievable that Orlando City could go and uh, go into Red Bull Arena and come out with the victory. None of us really saw it happening, even the very optimistic people were trying to, oh, maybe we can steal a point there. But, um, right. you know, it was it was really um, a good game. James O'Connor goes back to the three-man back line. Uh, we get a, um, you know our, our first look at Robin Janssen, which was nice. Uh, he gets the start. It was nice. Uh, Alex DeJohn started in the middle, Shane O'Neill on the right. Everybody started crying when they saw Shane O'Neill's name on the lineup. But um, I think overall, Shane O'Neill has played fine this season. He's made a couple mistakes, but you could say that about pretty much everybody. Um, a lot of people really, uh, really favor Alex DeJohn. But if you go back to the New York City game, you you see that he got nutmegged from 15 yards away on the second goal. So. He's not immune to the, the the odd mistake. I think you have to take some lumps, uh, especially early in the season when these players are, are getting their um, getting their uh, you know bearings with their new teammates. So you go back yeah. to the three man lineup. Carlos Asquez doesn't come out of the lineup though. He pushes up to the midfield uh, with Sasha Kleschen and Uri, Ro- Uri Rossell gets his first start of the season. Uh, kind of surprising. A lot of people thought Igita would start. And up top, no Dom Dwyer to start the game. We have uh, Santiago Patino getting his first MLS start alongside Nani. And um, so that was a, a quite a, a bit of a surprise going on the road uh, to New York. And Patino played, um, I think, uh, just over half the game. I think he came out at 60. And um, Dom Dwyer went in. And Dom was a very, very big part of the goal as uh, a ball was lumped oh, yes. forward. A ball lumped forward by Shane O'Neill was uh, just some spectacular hold-up play by Dom. He gets his chest on it, brings it down, 
and immediately sends it out wide to the left to Jao Moutinho, who also was making his first start as a lion uh, opposite Juan at the uh, wingback positions. Uh, no, Daniel, uh, no Danny Acosta this week. He wasn't even in the 18. So um, Moutinho gets the ball out wide, and uh, nice job by Dom to make his run like he normally does, takes uh, most of the defense with him. And Moutinho's cross goes across the top of the box, not the area to where Dom ran. Some people think that it was a bad cross intended for Dom. Maybe it was. Maybe Joe Matinho, Who knows? Maybe Joe Matinho would tell you that he screwed up trying to get it to Dom and it just was a happy accident. Or maybe he just does have the vision to see the three on-rushing Lions that were coming up behind. And uh, he sent it across the top. And Kleschen hurting his old team, slotting it past Luis Robles and making it 1-0. Oh, the, uh, the Red Bull tears were, were streaming and it was it was a gorgeous thing. Uh, for Sasha to get that goal and for all of us uh, to be very surprised. Uh, I mean, they told me at any point in the game that we were going to be taking the lead. Obviously, I, w- I would have not believed you since, you know, like you said, we both predicted a 3-1 loss. So uh, to, to go up like that uh, when we did, um, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, what I was thinking at the time other than other than joy. Uh, and like you said, that that pass or that cross, um, initially when I looked at it, I, I thought, okay, it was it was a uh, you know not where he wanted it, and that it was trying to go to Dom. But who knows? I mean, it, it, it it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter because it all worked out. But that I mean that's the thing. If you put the ball into a dangerous position, uh, good things can happen. And um, exactly, you know, Moutinho is is known for his passing. He's known to be a, a player with good vision Portuguese player you know it's it's I think a little maybe a little bit of a knock on him or a slight to him to just assume that it was a bad cross intended for Dom I don't I don't know that you can say that it was now maybe it was but uh we didn't ask (laughs) uh that's that's (laughs) something something we'll be asking uh Jao Moutinho we we you know, we were not in New York, so we were not there to to get the the players after the game. But um, it was uh, you know what it was. It, it, it was his it, first until, assist as a lion, and holy cow, what an assist that was! And and until he tells us otherwise, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that that is what he intended to do, and because uh, that there were there were lions coming up behind, and uh, I'm I'm going to give him the intentional cross assist on that one. Okay, so um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Dom got the hockey assist on the play, and uh, it was 1-0. And from there, it was really just a matter of uh, playing good defense. Orlando City, uh, neither Orlando City or New York had a good passing percentage because both teams were just lumping the ball up the field and playing safety whenever they could. Um, I think Orlando City finished around 58% passing, and the Red Bulls were only at 61. Both of those totals would be among the worst performances of the season last year, which was a terrible season for Orlando City. So um, 58% is not what you want, but the game plan was pretty clear from James O'Connor. We're going to make this an ugly game. We're going to be Mm -hmm. uh, smart with the the ball. We are going to not give um, their attacking players uh, gifts in the middle of the field. Uh, You could see it early on when when Ruan was uh, uh, just – he was conceding throw-ins left and right, and guys were conceding – 
you know, they were yeah. they were quick to concede corner kicks uh, when maybe they had some time to, you know, look up and, and kick it out for a throw in. They weren't taking any chances, Dave. They know that, or they know the New York press is is very um, persistent and um, intense, and they were taking no chances. And I don't have a problem at all with that game plan. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, and and my five takeaways from that, I mean, I, I, I mentioned that. I think it was by design that he wanted to that O'Connor wanted to disrupt the Red Bulls any way possible. Just it it, it didn't matter. Just do not let them get uh, don't let them shoot passes together. Don't let them you know set up. Don't whatever you have to do. Just just terrorize them at every single point uh, to keep them off of their game. And uh, and it worked. It was it was a good tactical. Uh, a decision uh, by O'Connor. I mean, you know, getting the goal obviously, um, you know, made things easier uh, from that that respect because you know then you know at, hopefully at worst you're playing for a draw. But uh, it, it was a good decision on his part, and uh, and the team, you know, as as ugly as it looked, I think the team executed exactly what he wanted to do, and and they came away with a win. Yeah, it was a really frustrating night for Red Bulls. They were trying to get forward. They were even pushing their defenders high on the pitch, and it was a, it was really playing into what Orlando wanted to do because there were several opportunities to get in behind. Uh, Rowan had a couple opportunities to get in behind and, and get shots on. Um, there was an opportunity when O'Neill cleared a free kick up the field, and, and Patino ran onto it, and, and he just took a bad touch as he was getting set up to shoot. Um, there was another opportunity where uh, Kleschen – uh, was set up by or sent in by Nani, and you know he didn't have a very good angle to shoot at, so he tried to cross to the back post for the easy tap in. And uh, kudos to former Lion Amro Tarek, who himself probably saved two goals on the night because uh, if, yeah. if if Kleschen's pass gets across, that's an easy goal. And also there was a, an opportunity for Patino off of a cross from I think it was Rowan on that one uh, to uh, just tap it home and. Uh, Tarek was able to block it straight up in the air and uh, just a, it was a monster game for him and he really saved uh, New York's bacon because I mean Orlando could have had two or three goals on the night fairly easy uh, there were some good opportunities and, and it just showed that James O'Connor's system when it when you know when it's employed properly and executed properly it works he he wanted to make the game ugly make it tough for New York to play through and then look for opportunities to get back at them the other direction uh, with turnarounds. And, and he was able to, the team was able to do that by and large. And the few times they did make mistakes, like um, there was one cross field pass by Ruan that was picked off. There was a, uh, there were two pretty, um, pretty cringeworthy passes by Asquez in the uh, midfield that went back the other direction and were nearly goals. But Brian Rowe came up big and got his first clean sheet as a lion. Well, and and despite the uh, uh, the mispasses by Asquez, he he did uh, he did have, play a pretty important role in that uh, that clean sheet as well. Yeah, he had a, a really big save earlier uh, early in the game on Alex M- uh, Mule um, or Moyle. I don't know how do you say his name? It's it's a very difficult name to say, but um, <laughs> we know who we know yeah. who we're talking. About. Uh, he he played really well and and. and Part of the problem for Red Bulls, and Orlando was missing some guys due to international duty, and of course Will Johnson at concussion protocol, uh, but uh, the Red Bulls were missing both their starting fullbacks, and so they had backup fullbacks in to start. Connor Laid then got hurt, 
in that game and Alex Moyle who's has been one of the hottest players as an attacker in the league this season and you know it's early but uh, a very good player for the Red Bulls he went back and played left back and yeah. that certainly didn't help New York's attack at all in fact um and and Moyle he played really well as left back too I mean he did he he was one of the top players in the game for sure regardless of what position he was at Oh, without a doubt. And he was uh, in my key matchups from last week. Uh, he was one of the ones I said to look out for. Uh, fortunately, like you said, he did move, you know, back. So that that, that probably helped us uh, out a bit. So at least he wasn't, you know, wasn't in the attacking half. But yeah, um, it was uh, it was ugly as it can be. But um, I'll take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, the kind of game you have to play against certain teams, especially on the road. And I thought that they they handled their business, and it really was a great job of of keeping concentration. Some of those guys were so gassed at the end of that game. And you look at Rosell, who hadn't played ninety minutes. Collection uh, was gassed. Uh, a bunch of guys were just dog tired. Asquas was tired. Lamine Sané had to come in for Alex Dijon, who uh, hurt his hamstring. He'll be out for a few weeks. Uh, Sané hadn't played at all. wasn't really 90-minute match fit. He was on the bench, though, so he came in, and he was he was tired after 20 minutes. He looked like he was gassed. And right. It was, uh, and then and then Alan Chapman shows seven seven Dave seven minutes of stoppage time. I don't know where he, that number came from. Uh, I think Alex Ferguson phoned that one in from from Manchester, but it was ridiculous because there were not seven minutes worth of stoppages in that game. Well, it was actually, uh, I think, uh, uh, Ferguson uh, called Garber, and then Garber called down for the seven minutes. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, – that was that – was, uh, there was quite a bit of yelling up here in Tallahassee uh, in, in my particular house about that one. Um, fortunately, like you said, despite being dog-tied, uh, the Lions were able to – literally grind out those those last seven minutes uh the way they did you know practically the last half of the match and and, and come away with it but man it, it was i i don't think there was anybody that wasn't a uh red bull fan that that thought seven minutes was a realistic number it was uh it was pretty amazing uh when the seven went up i just said uh there's seven minutes of stoppage time because reasons uh in, <laughs> yeah, the, right. in the twitter feed um there, there were no reasons. The reasons were imaginary. But uh, you know, credit Orlando City for really not giving up a good chance in the in the stoppage time. It was, it was a, a you know they kept concentration. That's what James O'Connor has has stressed to them. Of course, uh, since the, the the mistake in Chicago cost two points, um, Orlando City learned from that mistake apparently, and um, you know kept kept the New York Red Bulls at bay. And and Bradley Wright Phillips was a little dangerous, uh, but really. In, in very few instances, he he posed somewhat of a danger a few times. One time, he threw Alex Dijon to the ground and didn't get oh, called yeah. for anything. It, it was like, what, how is he allowed to do that? He just, <laughs> he just basically grabbed him and threw him down. Um, earlier in the game, though, I mean, I could, that was kind of par for the course. Alan Chapman was letting them do that. He let Tim Parker shove Nani to the ground with no call. And yeah. the Red Bulls... Um, social media team thought that it would be funny to um, to take that clip and uh, tweet out uh, welcome to MLS Luis Nani and tag him tag the player 
uh, making fun of him while the game was still going on. So uh, yeah, Nani that was, had the last that was not laugh. a good call on their part. No, 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 <laughs> Nani got the last laugh walking off the field with three points, his first win in purple, and um, a, a very big win for Orlando City. Uh, a tremendous debut for Robin Janssen, who looked like he'd been playing for this team for five years. You know, we uh, we, we all love the story of of you know him with the horseshoe factory and all of that, um, and. and it, it it seems you know a bit fairy taleish, uh, but it, you got to see the reasons why uh, he's had his uh, quick rise in 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 the soccer world. Uh, you know, even late as it is, um, like you say, he came in and just slotted right in as he'd been there forever and had a had a great game. Um, it was it was it was definitely a bright spot considering that you weren't necessarily expecting or, or you sh- I should say you didn't know what to expect mm-hmm. and then he comes in and has a he has a match like that so it, it was uh, a definite bright spot uh, there were actually quite a few uh, good performances despite how ugly the the match was absolutely and in the you know I heard some folks saying they, they were concerned about Janssen's uh, foot speed I don't think we've seen what his foot speed actually is yet because he actually had to travel out of the country this week to go finish up right. his international paperwork and then flew back into the country. So, I mean, he had, he had extensive, uh, you know, uh, fl- you know, flying this, uh, this past week. So, um, then he goes out on the field and plays a full 90. He hadn't played a game since I think, uh, I think that was his first game of 2019 actually. So, I mean, that, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it's been a few months at any rate, yeah. yeah it was pretty impressive for him. So, anyway, Dave, um, good debut for Janssen. Uh, good game for Matinho. Good game for Rossell. Good game for Kleshton. Good game for Brian Rowe. Who's your man of the match? Uh, my man of the match, I have to give to Kleshton because, uh, you know, he goes back into his former team's uh, home, picks up the goal, um, gets all the booze uh, from the crowd for it uh, and uh, you know also had a, a really good uh, match other than the goal as well I know that you know some of our listeners readers uh, you know think he's too old and too slow and whatever else but uh, he's I, I think he's been pretty solid this season so far and he definitely proved it in this match I thought he played really well I'm gonna give him mine also although it was it was very very close I thought Roe played really well I thought uh, I, I talked about Janssen already how well he played Rossell played really really well um yeah Matinho those guys all played really well there were people up in my Twitter mentions talking about how Kleshin should have shot the ball instead of passing it the time that Tarek blocked it but I mean these are the same people that said that Dom should have passed it last week instead of shooting uh and you know Dom missed the net so if Kleshin shoots there right then people are up in my Twitter mentions about why didn't he pass the ball um, exactly. I mean, he did what he needed to do. He elevated the pass. Tarek made a nice play because generally speaking, if you're the center back there, you're running back and you're sliding and you're keeping your leg down to block the cross. Uh, so Kleshin gets his cross off the ground and Tarek had, you know, made a nice play to keep his leg up to be able to block it even though it was an airborne pass. So, um, you know, a little unlucky not to get a, a, a get an assist there for Kleshin, but it was, uh, it was a really nice play by Tarek. And sometimes... You have to give the competition a nod, saying the guy did a great job and played, did it, and made his 
you know, he made the play. And in that case, he made the play. And uh, again, you're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't if you're one of the, uh, the fan's whipping boys. And the question has been, uh, I, we have some people on the uh, the message boards this week saying, oh, it's, oh, it's questions first good game as a lion which is ridiculous it's obviously not yeah. his first good game it's not even his first good game this season uh but people see i guess things the way they want to see them sometimes and uh hopefully we'll have more performances like that because it was a good performance so uh, i guess we're unanimous this week dave we are we were unanimous in our bad prediction for the score <laughs> and uh we're unanimous in our man of the match so there you go it was very close for me. I really, I really wanted to give it to Janssen. Janssen played really, really well in his debut, and given the circumstances uh, for him to have played yeah. as long as he did, and uh, I gotta think that the original plan was probably to bring Sane in late uh, for Janssen to get him off the field after he tired. But um, you know, obviously with the Dijon injury, that wasn't a factor. It wasn't uh, able to happen. Right. So. It was a win, and we'll take three. It was points. a win. So one, yes. one, one, and two on the season, Dave, and the Lions uh, play on an inter- during an international break, and uh, they go on the road to do it against one of the team best teams in the league, and they get the victory. So a lot to be pleased with. Uh, yeah, there's, there's. I'm, I'm very happy. Like I said at the beginning, I'm very happy this week. All right, so Dave, let's turn our attention to the Orlando Pride. They went out to North Carolina for their first preseason game of 2019, and things went were uh, not great, Bob. Uh, the Pride falling 4-0 at North Carolina. Uh, of course, we got almost no real information about the game. Uh, first run out under right. new head coach Mark Skinner. Uh, we did see... Some highlights posted online from the uh, North Carolina Courage. There was uh, just a really howler of a mistake by Alana Kennedy at the back. There was a really bad play where Ashlyn Harris came off her line and got caught out. And so we saw some individual mistakes. Uh, But Mark Skinner now has seen his team in, in action. He's seen them against the best team in the league. And he can now address some of the team's shortcomings. And also, the team know now, the players all know how far they have to go to reach uh, where the Courage are. Well, and, you know, we were going to be chasing the Courage this season anyway, just as we have been. So, I mean, there's there shouldn't be any real big surprise there. Also, you know, like you said, first time out, um, you, you've got to see what you have there. And um, good, bad, ugly, and different. I mean, we... The pride lost to uh, Florida State at the you know during the preseason last year. Um, so go figure. Uh, they go out against one of the you know the best teams, if not the best team in the league, uh, and that happens. Okay, so what? Um, we don't know what uh, Mark Skinner was doing as far as you know taking a look at the players. Uh, you know what his game plan was if you know if he was just you know rolling out and seeing what happened or if he had we don't we don't know any of that right. so i'm sure there was no game not, plan it was just a matter right. of I mean, get out there and play the system and um you know right i mean so you, you you can't you can't it's you can't judge it the way that you would a a normal match um like i said because we don't know what we don't know what he was trying to accomplish in it right so so it was a loss, but, you know, you think, well, 
now the pride can go back to the drawing board. Only they really can't because now all the players are leaving for international duty again. <laughs> There's another international window <laughs> coming up. Um, and yeah. the the big news of the week was that uh, in addition to Alex and uh, Ashlyn getting called up to the U.S. women's national team, Allie Krieger getting her first call up in two years. A lot of people very happy about this. Um, it, it To me, it just shows that the the fullback situation is not good um, with the uh, with the Orlando uh, or was with the U.S. Women's National Team because you took somebody who wasn't good enough to play fullback uh, for the last two years and now they're having to go back in because none of the younger players or other players that you brought in are able to do it. Yeah, that's um, that that is the probably realistic way of looking at it um and i don't blame the people who are excited for ali um you know on on one level i'm of course excited for her. uh we all want her to get to 100 um yeah you and i had pretty much resigned ourselves to the fact that it wasn't going to happen uh and have said so many times on the on the podcast so uh you know I'll, i will take a quick breath and say awesome that that's going to happen for her but like you said you know if the reason behind it is that there's no better options um you know i i don't know uh is ali still a good fullback of course uh but um is she who the women's national team needs in a in a world cup year? i don't know um you know there's there's certainly something to be said obviously for her experience and um, you know, maybe this is a, uh, a fairy tale ending, you know, for her on international duty and uh, goes out and gets one more World Cup uh, that she gets to participate in. Maybe you know, bring bring the trophy home. I, that all remains to be seen. But uh, I, nope, there's no way of predicting what happens, of course. And so I'm going to uh, I'm going to hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, she was up called up before and didn't get her, her appearances. So I'm not going to just assume that she'll get to 100. It would be nice if she no, gets them. No. But yep. if she doesn't, she doesn't. Um, it would be nice if she did. And it's kind of a, a, a jerk move on Jill's part if she doesn't uh, throw her in at least to get her on the field late in these two yeah. upcoming friendlies and get her to 100. Uh, they will play Australia on April 4th. That's a Thursday night at 9 o'clock Eastern, and then they'll play again at 9 o'clock Eastern on the following Sunday, the 7th, against Belgium. Uh, and um, we will, of course, have full coverage of those at themainland.com. Um, so I think we'll turn our attention... Oh, well, before we move on from the Pride, also Chi Abogagu getting called up from, for England for uh, what is believed to be their last camp before they call up their World Cup team, so that's good for her, bad for the Pride, because it means probably someone else is missing for the, the balance of the World Cup. Right. And uh, England should go pretty deep into the tournament. And, um, you know, you could expect the same Australians, uh, Kennedy and uh, Van Eggman, to get called up for this uh, friendly against the U.S. And, uh, you know, the Brazilians, they'll be gone too. <laughs> that's the way Yeah, it we're, goes. we're, we're, well, you know, we are chock full of international players, although uh, I haven't done an actual count, but it might be less than, than last year or so. Um, mm. uh, with, with us shedding, yeah. shedding some of the, uh, yeah. Well, you so add some of the Chi. Yeah, you add Chi, and you take away uh, Poliana and Monica. 
So it's a, right, it's a net so. loss of one. But if Krieger is called for World Cup duty, then it's a wash. Well, then we're back to zero, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's quickly touch on the Orlando Seawolves. They had a tough weekend away from home last weekend, a pair of losses, um, poor starts in both games, uh, absolutely uh, blasted out of the building by the Baltimore Blast, no pun intended there. Uh, and then they went to Harrisburg and lost to the Heat, falling behind by several goals early, and then fighting back and making a game of it, but still not quite able to ever climb the climb out of the hole that they dug for themselves. Orlando Seawolves, I believe, still uh, alive in the playoff hunt, but they kind of have to get it done this weekend. They have um, a very important game against Kansas City on Friday at 7.35. That is at home. Go to Silver Spurs Arena and cheer on the Seawolves. And then they go to Milwaukee on Sunday in what is now probably a must-win game against the best team in the East all season. Um, and um, that's a 2 o'clock start. So they they basically play Friday night, have a travel day, and then play early afternoon on Sunday. That's a tough, uh, tough road to hoe. So uh, good luck to the Seawolves, and hopefully they can um, win out and sneak in. But... Um, uh, it's looking like they're going to miss the playoffs in their first MASL season, and uh, which is you know probably not abnormal for an expansion team. And they've they've uh, they just lack some of the depth that some of these other teams have. And um, it was I don't know if it was actually officially announced, but it looks like Victor France, one of their more creative players uh, in the attacking end, is uh, going to miss the rest of the season. So uh, that's a tough break for them. So um, lots, lots of good news. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, finally, um, before we get to this week's guest, I'm, I'm going to say this now, even though we're now recording without having interviewed that guest, we're, that interview will come later, uh, and if it doesn't happen, I have to go back and edit this part out of the show, <laughs> but if it does happen, <laughs> uh, before we get to our guest, we'll talk about OCB, because they're getting their season started in USL League One on Saturday night at home at Montverde Academy against uh, Tucson. So Tucson coming to town. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you want a cheap night out, you want to see some of these kids that are the future of Orlando City, go up to Montverde on Saturday night and uh, catch the uh, the first game ever for OCB in USL League One against Tucson. And that's, uh, that should be interesting. Our Sean Rollins is going to be out there. We should have a photographer on site so we can get uh, a photo gallery of that game as well so very exciting a bunch of teenagers a couple of really young 20 year olds uh trying uh-huh. to all um, make their way up the soccer pyramid you know this it's it reminds me of uh, uh my dad uh in east texas uh many 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 years ago uh, he was at a bar and he saw this little three-piece band and the guys had a couple of, you know, two of the guys had some really long beards. Um, uh, they weren't really famous yet, but, uh, you know, he forever gets to say, oh, yeah, I saw ZZ Top in East Texas before they made it big. Well, this is your chance to go see ZZ Top. Go see these guys play. Like Michael said, they're the future. Um, you know, these are uh, potentially the, the big names uh, coming down the road. And uh, it's, as you said, it, it's a cheap night out. Um, you still get, you know, some good soccer. Uh, and not to mention, you know, it's it's a much more um, intimate, um, 
you know experience than it is you know if you're at a, a, a even at Orlando City Stadium, which is still a nice venue, but I mean you're still uh, you're not as close and um, it, it's a, it's a whole different type of experience and and one that I think everybody should should at least go give a chance. It's an entirely different kind of flying altogether. It's an entirely, altogether. Yeah, it's, it's an entirely, entirely different, different kind of flying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's the I did an airplane quote earlier at work, so that that's so apropos. There you go. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it should be interesting. Our, of course, Sean Rollins is very happy. He's a big USL guy and a big uh, yep. academy guy, so he's very happy to see uh, OCB back. And uh, the young lions uh, are going to. Um, probably not going to be real successful in win-loss record because of the fact that they are, um, you know, all significantly younger on these developmental teams than some of these other teams. Like the, the Richmond Kickers have, for example, Dennis Chin, former Orlando City player from the USL days that won championships with Orlando City. He's been around a while. He's played professional soccer for a while. And um, right. it's just not the same level in some respects. But go out and see Jordan Bender. He's 17 years old. And he's he played some preseason games with Orlando City's um, MLS team this preseason, and he looked right at home. He didn't look out of place, or and he didn't look like it was too big for him or the game was uh, too fast for him. So um, Jordan Bender alone probably is worth the price of admission to go see OCB just to see how he's going to turn out. So uh, I can't wait to get uh, to get watching those games on ESPN Plus. I do have an ESPN Plus. Um, Subscription, so I can watch those. As, as do I, and it's it's well worth the four ninety nine or whatever the heck I spend on it. Yeah, so uh, very excited that that's going to happen. And now uh, I think I will just go ahead and say this, even though we don't really know a hundred percent when we're getting our guest. I'll say we're gonna go talk to our special guest for this week, <laughs> and that we will do it right after this. Right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week is Orlando City goalkeeper Brian Rowe. Brian, thanks for being with us. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. So we're going to start out by asking uh, something that always kind of fascinates me because I'm not sure how this works. Even when I worked in professional sports, I wasn't sure how this worked. But, you know, Orlando City goes into camp. They've got three goalkeepers. And then, um, you know, how do you go from, um, you know, whatever you were doing before to finding out how that Orlando city is interested in maybe having you come in as a trialist and then making that happen. Like, can you walk me through those steps? I mean, that's a great question. Um, I was just training in the off season, kind of waiting for an opportunity to arrive. Um, felt a little bit of stress come up as I think the, as preseason started around the league and still didn't have any leads or no interest. And, um, just had a call from my agent, I think, on I guess, Thursday or Friday and basically said, hey, Orlando City wants you to bring, bring you out there for the rest of preseason and uh, we're going to get you on a flight uh, tomorrow. So uh, basically that's all I know on my end. So um, I was excited to get the call and have an opportunity and was, was more than happy to fly across the country to join them for the rest of preseason. No, Brian, once you got there and, uh, you know, you, you get in, you start working with guys and uh, James O'Connor, et cetera, um, 
you know, you've been around the league a little while. What is it that you saw uh, during the preseason uh, in Orlando City? Um, you know that you know the same, different. Uh, what what kind of mentality do you think uh, the team has? It was it was great coming in. I mean, uh, knowing from the team last year, um, sounds like I mean they did kind of. Uh, kind of offload a number of players and I think James really wanted to, to build his own group and, and uh, bring in his own guys that he really wanted to, to build the team around and guys that he thought would gel well and had good character and uh, kind of the values that he wanted to build the team around so um, it was great coming in especially I think meeting them out in Bradenton at IMG you're kind of in that isolated area where you're, you're rooming together I think we had about maybe five or six guys per her uh, house we were standing up there and uh, you're walking to all your meals together you're, you're sharing all your meals together uh, you're doing double days out there you're all kind of you're all kind of hurting and going through the same grind so I think going into an atmosphere like that where it's really hands on and James is really able to throughout meetings in the evening uh, guest speakers we had come in um, really just I think hammer in the values and the type of character and players that he wanted to to I guess uh, or have for this year and the style and what he was really looking for. So um, it was great coming in. Some familiar faces that I, I knew from just playing around the league. Uh, some other veteran guys, but also a lot of young guys, which which is always good because those guys are always uh, hungry and always pushing and um, just eager to really get going. So it was just a um, good group out of the gate, and I think that. Uh, even up until now, I think we've really been building off of what we got started there in preseason, and it's been exciting so far. It's something I'm really excited to be a part of. Brian, when you come into a team and you're you're taking, essentially, basically taking a, a roster spot from uh, that was formerly occupied by a very popular player, how tough is that for you to come in and sort of win people over, or do you even think about that at all? No, I don't think about that at all. I'd try to. I try not to add any extra pressure, any external pressure, really anything outside of my control is, uh, it's just extra energy loss. So um, I know who I am as a player, um, as a person, and I come in and try to be just as honest to that as I can and a hard worker um, and really just try to add value to the team. And at the end of the day, just do whatever I can within my control to, to help this team win. So um, you just hope at the end of the day, after all the hard work that I've been putting in and that I, I want to continue to put in and uh, the performances that I want to put together, you, you hope, of course, you want to be you want to be liked by the fans and you want to be uh, a fan favorite. But um, it's one of those things that I focus on what I can control and do all those things. And at the end, you hope you have that product. Well, you know, I'm coming into a new team, uh, working with an entirely new back line. Um, and one that's uh, in flux is uh, O'Connor is figuring out who he wants out there. Um, what's it like in uh, developing those relationships? Of course, it's. I mean, it's it's always. I won't say difficult, but it's always. I mean, it's tough coming into a new team, and especially defenders who haven't necessarily all played together. I mean, you've got um, Alex Dijon who's coming over to the league for the first time, who's been playing over in Sweden. You got Kamal. Uh, who's first year in MLS. You've got uh, Lamine, who's a veteran, played around the world. Uh, you've got uh, Shane as well, who's played around the league and all over the place, but not all of them have necessarily played together. 
um, and then Robin as well joining us from overseas. So you've got a, a good group of kind of young and experienced guys, but some older guys as well. And um, I think playing three in the back is it's a new system for me. It's one that I, I don't have a lot of experience in, but um, I think it, it holds guys accountable. And I think that we've seen success with it and it's something we want to, we want to build with. And uh, we have the, the, the personnel to, to make it work. And um, guys know who they're going to be responsible for in the game and you're kind of held accountable. You've, you don't necessarily have to cover at all times. And sometimes you have to go one-on-one against a player and, uh, our guys have been proven that that they're up to the challenge and up to the task, and I think we've had some some good defensive performances so far. And uh, I think as a team and defensively, and as a goalkeeper as well, after all this hard work we've been putting in to to finally get rewarded as a team and get a shutout and get a win on the road this last weekend in New York was uh, it's probably one of the the better feeling wins that I've had in this league. I think um, being able to, for us to put that performance together as a team and um, get that first win, that first shutout was, it felt really good. Yeah, Brian, you mentioned the shutout in New York. I mean, that was, uh, it was quite a performance by Orlando City, by basically the entire club, but uh, could you just let us know a little bit about what the game plan was? Obviously, both teams um, sort of had a, a mentality in the game of just get the ball out of danger and of course we saw that re- reflected in the passing percentages for both teams but is that something that you talked about all week and just uh, you know safety first don't let the Red Bulls have what they want which is a, a turnover in the middle of the pitch yeah exactly we, I mean uh, they kind of stay true to their characteristics and the way that they want to play we knew especially on the road up there that they, they don't look to possess out of the back. They look to get the balls in the channels and dump the balls in behind and pick up second balls in the middle and just have uh, runners going through. So we didn't want to give them any free balls or anything turned over in the middle where we, we were outnumbered or any counterattacks. So I think we knew they were going to be flying from the beginning, and our goal was just not to mess around with the ball in the back or the middle, especially early in the game, and just put it in their end and trust our players up top that – we could press and win second balls and get opportunities. So I think we were able to execute the execute our, our game plan very well. And uh, defensively, I thought we look solid. And I think as a team, I mean, if we I think anyone, any team could say this, but if, if, if we don't concede and we play tough in the back and don't give teams any free goals, um, I have more than enough faith in our players up the field that we're going to get opportunities and we will score goals and, I mean, that's, that's, that's how we're going to win this year. Well, speaking of uh, playing tough at the back, how many do you give Carlos after that bicycle? <laughs> I definitely, uh, I told him I owed him a dinner after that one. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, was glad he was there. But it's funny watching the replay on that one. I mean, I think we had Carlos cleared it, but I think also Dom and both Lamine were there right behind him. So I think that, that play just showed the effort that, that I mean, you guys are throwing the bodies on the line just to, to get those three points, get that shot out, and what it means to everyone. Now, Brian, you got a, a team coming up this weekend that is is similar in some respects to the Red Bulls in terms of uh, the way they attack. Um, you know, what what have you guys talked about in terms of uh, of continuing the type of play that you you sort of had going a little bit early in the season, but then you really kind of uh, turned turn the performance around last weekend. How, how do you get that uh, continuation and that consistency? 
it's just building on top of this this last performance. Um, I think there's still some things we can work on, but I think there was a lot of good that we were able to take away. And I think getting that first win uh, definitely takes a little pressure and a little stress off. So uh, I think it allows us to play a little more freely. And um, I mean, we've been, we've been scoring goals, so we know those will come and especially coming back home, um, having two, I guess, not ideal uh, first two games at home. I think we definitely want to go out there and, and not give the team any, not give the team, gift them any goals. I mean, I think that was what hurt us in the Montreal game was just a, a few mistakes throughout the field. Um, and you really find yourself behind the eight ball and it's, it's tough to get back into the game. So um, I think for us, it's just in front of our home crowd with that atmosphere is just putting the pressure on them um, and really getting after them early. Um, obviously you've been around for a little while and, and, you know, played for some different coaches. Uh, what are your impressions of, uh, James O'Connor, obviously somewhat new to the, uh, MLS level, um, what, what impressions so far? I mean, the fact that he is new and I mean, I guess not even a full year into the league, it doesn't show at all. I mean, the way he handles himself and, uh, he knows what he's looking for in players and he knows the level and the respect that he requires out of players and the standard. And, um, he holds everybody accountable. So it doesn't matter if you're number 26 on the roster or number one on the roster. Um, he is going to play the players that he thinks is, is upholding his standards and, uh, his values and characteristics that he wants. And, um, I think, uh, you respect that of a coach. I mean, that's what, that's what you want to see is someone that is going to, is going to hold guys accountable and at the end of the day, do, do the right thing. So I've got the utmost respect for him and I've really enjoyed playing with him, playing for him so far. Brian, before we let you go, just want to ask you about a couple of guys on the team. First of all, uh, Robin Janssen uh, comes in and he's got to he's got to do a lot of traveling, and then he shows up on game day and he's the starter, goes the full distance, and it really played well for you guys. Um, first of all, uh, what kind of effort did that take? And second of all, does he even know everybody's name on the team yet? <laughs> uh, that would actually be a good a good test for him. I would I'd be curious if we could if you know, but. I mean, uh, that took a lot of character uh, for him to step in, especially having uh, to go get his visa and, and meeting us in New York and um, really being his first game and just coming in. It's not an easy place to play, and especially a team like that, that's it's high pressure, and you know they're going to be flying around. So uh, he showed a lot of character out there, and I, I think he, he really cemented himself back there and this guy that will rely on heavily and be able to trust and um, I'm really looking forward to see him develop and grow this year. And the second guy I want to talk about is a guy who's he's kind of been around uh, Orlando for a while, but we don't know a lot about him. He's had a lot of injuries, and he's very young. And, of course, last year uh, famously underwent uh, cancer treatment. That's Mason Stoddahar. And, um, you know, I think he's a, a bit of an unknown to Orlando City fans, but you've got to spend some time with him over at Bradenton and, and in the preseason. What can you tell Orlando City fans about Mason's future? I mean, I can't speak more highly of the kid, um, and it's not even fair calling him a kid. He's he's young, but he's gone through so much in his life and has just had to deal with so much adversity. And I think he's truly so mature for for his actual age, and 
he's he's going to be someone to watch out for. I mean, his I think kind of what he's gone through is it's going to be nothing compared to the, the everything else he's going to face in life and in soccer. And I think his mentality and the way he approaches life and everything else is is truly outstanding. And I mean, I've. I, yeah, it's been truly inspiring watching him and being able to train with him and kind of talk with him more about his story and kind of what he went through. And I mean, I wish I possessed some of the size that kid had and some of the power and explosiveness. And um, I'll be excited for him to start getting some games, hopefully, and truly see what kind of pro he can develop into. But um, I mean, I can't say enough about him. He's yeah, truly inspiring, truly amazing kid. Well, Brian, Kamal Miller told us that you that all the new people had to sing in front of the team. Did they make a veteran like you <laughs> sing in front of everybody? Yeah, I got up and sang there, so I didn't. I didn't want to, yeah, pull that card. So just have a little fun with the guys. What song did you sing? Uh, Sweet Caroline. <laughs> nice. All right, uh, like Brian. <laughs> Brian Rowe, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. I know we had some some issues uh, linking up this week, but that was on our, that was on our end, and I apologize for that. And we really appreciate you coming on. Good luck to you the rest of the season. Hey, it's my pleasure. I appreciate. It. Thank you, guys. All right, Dave. Well, we want to thank Brian Rowe for coming on this week's podcast and uh, sharing his experiences so far with Orlando City with us. And that is, of course, absolutely. That is, of course, if we actually talked to Brian Rowe. We're recording this part first. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. We'd still like to thank Brian Rowe. That's right. We just for, pulled, uh, we just pulled back the curtain for you, folks. This is a, a look behind the. We just yeah. broke the fourth wall a little bit and said. Why not? But yeah, at this at the time of this recording, we have not yet talked to a special <laughs> guest, but we're we're going to act like we did, and then um, I'm, you will not know if we didn't because I'm going to go back and cut all this out. But if we did talk to Brian Rowe, I'm going to leave all this in just to drive you guys crazy. Make sense? Yes, because okay. that's what we do. <laughs> all right, uh, Dave. We have no <laughs> new iTunes reviews, no five star reviews to read on the air this what? week. Yep, the last one we had was March third. So we haven't had a five-star review left for us since March 3rd. But if if uh, folks want to go on iTunes to the Mainland Podcast and leave us a five-star rating and write a review, we will read it on the air on an upcoming show. So please do that. Well, I, please give well, us a we rating. read it on air. <sighs> Not only that, but I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be so incredibly grateful. Well, of course we'll be grateful. I mean, why wouldn't we? But yeah. So yeah, if you if you leave us a rating and a review, it's a good way to get us in front of more people. So please uh, do that if you're a friend of the show, and uh, we will we would be happy, and we will again read your five star review on the air if you should leave one. Uh, Dave, let's get to our listener mail this week. You can ask the Mainland Podcast anything, and you can do it in two ways. You can either email us at the mainland at gmail.com please spell main m-a-n-e so it's the mainland at gmail.com with main m-a-n-e not m-a-i-n and also you can so it's like a lion's man exactly because we're punny guys we are punny guys and we can also uh hit us up on twitter we are at the mainland on twitter again m-a-n-e 
because we're punny guys. And uh, you can uh, hit us up with that hashtag, AskTMLPC, and we will be happy to get to your questions, whether they're soccer-related or not, whether they're about Orlando City. They could be about a third-tier team in China. We will give you an answer. Even if we don't know, we're still going to answer. You're guaranteed to get an answer. So what I guess what I'm trying to drive at is you're guaranteed an answer. Whether or not it's right is entirely uh, dependent upon many circumstances. I'm not even sure it's going to make sense, but we'll give you an answer. <laughs> exactly. All right. We only have one question this week, Dave, that I found. That's I not true. No, did you find someone on Twitter? We literally got one as you were just talking on the Twitter. No way. All right. Well, cool. Well, I'm going to start with Lee Gavlik, friend of the podcast. Uh, he has sent us one via the email delivery system. And Lee uh, brought up something that we didn't really talk about on uh, you know the beginning of the show when we were talking about Orlando City's win against New York Red Bulls. I was very remiss. I talked about a couple of the mistakes that Carlos Asquez made, but I was remiss in not mentioning the fact that uh, shortly after Orlando City scored, <laughs> that he cleared one off the line off of a set piece. Um, that was headed in and could have easily tied the score. I alluded to that. Did you allude to that? I alluded to that, and you missed it. I am very tired today, Dave. I slept about <laughs> I slept about four hours last night. I was I was I was uh, prepping for a webinar today that I had to run uh, for my actual paying job. And um, well, as I, so, I understand, I'm as sorry a, as I missed that, but for, yes. Uh, as a preview for my my article, uh, although it may come out before this podcast, it's all good. Okay. The podcast is uh, right now, as you and I are talking, and this is way too meta to actually be on the podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, it's probably going to go live at noon on Thursday. So um, yeah. we are recording this. After. Yeah, we're recording this. I'm sorry, at noon on Friday. I'm sorry. So we're, yes. we're, we're recording this on Wednesday. So we this should go live on Friday after we talk to our guest on Thursday, and I feel like a time traveler. I'm really not sure what month it is anymore. I'm, I'm All right, concerned. anyway, I'm concerned right now that I, I might have missed something. Uh, yes, yeah, so Lee, Lee wants to know if it's too soon to hand the Orlando City Save of the Year Award for 2019 to Carlos Asquez. Is it too soon, Dave? Uh... No, because so far it is the save of the year. Now, continue to be, eh, I don't know. Uh, it, it got a good shot, though, because that was, that. I mean, bicycle kick on goal line to preserve a win away. I mean, that's, it's going to take something pretty special to knock that, you know, off the top tier. So uh, it it's going to be in the running no matter what. And obviously so far it's definitely, definitely number one. I will say that it's too soon to hand that trophy to Carlos Asquez Lee because we can't just you can't just give it to him and then ask for it back if someone ends up doing something even more <laughs> spectacular. You can't just say, uh, Carlos, uh, remember that trophy we gave you for the save of the year? Can we get that back because um, it's not you anymore? <laughs> it's just it's just bad form. It's just not done. Wait, it's, <laughs> it's uncouth. Do, I did. Do we have trophies? Because we have trophies. I wasn't informed. Well, it's it's not a physical trophy. Oh, it is okay. like in this case, it's a metaphorical trophy. But you still have to get it back. A metaphorical. 
Yeah, you still have to get it back from him. You still have to get it back. You still have to say, uh, can we get it back? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, metaphorically, you have to ask for it back. So, <laughs> it's 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 game four, Lee. Slow your roll, buddy. It's game four. Four games in. Uh, you have seen this team play since 2015. What are the odds that a team is not going to have a better scoring chance than that the rest of the season and then somebody thwarts it? Because... Uh, I can guarantee you this team's going to give up a lot of good scoring chances over the last 30 games, and one of them is <laughs> bound to be saved by somebody. It's just a law of yeah, averages. That's, that's probably true. <laughs> so thanks for the question, Lee. Appreciate it. Dave, who would we have in the Twitters? In the Twitters, we have Ken M. Uh, and Ken wants to know, and it kind of goes back to, to last week's uh, Ryan Smith question. But what what's going on with the stadium naming rights third year and no announcement? What's going on with fans' preoccupation with stadium naming rights, Dave? That's my question. I'm answering his question oh. with a question. Are you asking a question? Which question do you want me to answer first? I'm, I'm, I'm asking you a rhetorical question now. Before we were talking uh, metaphorically, now we're talking rhetorically. Now we're talking rhetorically, You have yeah. to keep up with the conversation, Dave. And it doesn't make uh, any difference that I'm on no sleep and that I haven't had caffeine in many, many hours. You still have to follow. Um, it's okay. kind of it's kind of like when you have a concussion and the doctor's like got your his finger out and you're trying to follow it. You'd really love to follow it. There's nothing you, that would delight you more than being able to follow it, but you can't quite follow it. That's yeah. It's kind of how this conversation is going for you right now, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just want to lay down and go to sleep. Really, I mean that's that's what we're talking about. Oh, same. Uh, so yeah, I you know. I hear this a lot from people. I, I do. I hear a lot of people like, what's going on in the naming rights? Why can't we sell the naming rights? Why do you care? It's going to suck. And then you're going to have to call the stadium that. Just enjoy yep. calling it Orlando City Stadium. It's it's named after your soccer team right now. It's not named after, you know, the leading um, gum cleaner or, or, you know, denture cleaner or whatever. It's not... It's not got some weird name like SeatGeek Stadium. How would you like to say, oh, I'm going down to SeatGeek Stadium to see my team uh, play? That would suck. I mean, there are some bad Map names. Map-free. Map-free. Uh, B- Map-free. BBVA Compass Stadium is where the U.S. men's national team played last night. That's a mouthful, Dave. It is indeed, and it's not a fun one either. BBVA it's- Compass Stadium. Um, there are so so many bad named stadiums out there in every sport, mm-hmm. not just soccer, but every sport. Um, and not only that, but I would say that the the true uh, pillars of soccerdom um, are typically not named ones. You know, I mean, when you think of, uh, and of course, I'm a Liverpool fan, so you know, Anfield. It's because it's the it's the that it's on. You know, it's it's not name something else or or, um, you know, uh, name a baseball stadium that's you know an older one. I mean, well, I mean, obviously you, know, you got Yankee Camp, Camden Yards. Yeah, right. Yeah. Camp Camden Yards, Yankee Stadium. I mean, these you know these are the classics. 
And right now, Fenway we have and Wrigley, and you know, it, yes. you know, you you can talk well, stay Wrigley, in soccer, stay in soccer. You got old old Trafford. I mean, things right. that have been around forever. And it's it. The thing about it is that they could probably just like really, really reduce the price and devalue the product and sell it just to sell it. But that's not what they want to do. Um, part of the problem is... I think part of the problem is Florida. I mean, when you look at it this way, how many times has the Dolphins Stadium changed names in the last 10 years? It's had to have had like 12 names in the last 10 years. It's, it's like, something it's, stupid like that, yeah. It's been... It was like Joe Robbie. It was Landshark. It was Sun Life. It was... It's been like four other things somewhere in there. And it was Dolphin Stadium for a while. It's it's just keeps changing left and right, which is annoying in itself. I used to work for the Florida Panthers. We had some naming rights issues there. We had um, uh, it, and it it has changed uh, names a number of times, uh, especially since um, you know a lot of those have been banks and banks change hands and get bought by other banks and that kind of thing. So um, right. we recently had UCF's stadium uh, was. Uh, was Bright House, and then Spectrum bought Bright House, and then it, you know became Spectrum. So, it's naming rights are a pain in the butt. And if as as I always say to people that ask me this question, I always say it doesn't really affect you. So just enjoy the fact that you don't have some annoying product that the, that the stadium's named after, and you know the chances are that even if the the club makes a big chunk of money from same, selling those naming rights. It doesn't mean they're going to put it into the on-field product. I mean, yeah. a lot of times yeah. that just lines the pockets of the executives, and uh, you know, right? It, it's not like you're going to get cheaper beer. It might help, you know, with some infrastructure stuff, or maybe they can hire a few extra, uh, you know, sale ticket salespeople, or maybe whatever. But it, by and large, I mean, it, sure, it helps the team, but it doesn't help it. It doesn't normally help teams in a visible way. I don't think. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a study that says that that does make a big difference. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, that was a really long-winded answer, Ken, to your question. So I'm sorry, uh, but I'm just enjoying <laughs> it not being named something dumb. That's just the way I'm. Looking you know, at it. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I, I gave a little bit of an answer there, kind of in the middle of, of your <laughs> tirade. So I'll I'll leave, I'll leave it at that because I don't think I have anything to add. All right, so we didn't mean to jump down your throat, man. We're both tired. Sorry, Ken. Yeah. Thanks for the, thanks for the question. <laughs> we, let... we, do, we do appreciate the question, especially coming in like <laughs> last minute. I mean, making it more than a one-question podcast. So, I mean, good yeah. on you, Ken. Thank yeah. you. And also, Ken it got to extend our podcast by a good seven minutes probably right there. <laughs> Just that question. That's pretty – Right. That's although. Let's be fair with you and I. That's not necessarily the hardest thing in the world to do. And it's not necessarily a good thing. So let's move on. Uh, let's talk about the United States men's national team, Dave. It's still undefeated under uh, Greg Berhalter. The U.S. MNT came to Orlando uh, and got out with a one-nil win over Sebas Mendez and Ecuador on Thursday. I went to that game. That was fun. I hung out yeah. with. Um, I hung out with some folks from the mainland we uh i spent some time with uh our bearded guy and nice. uh, so tom and i uh, spent some time with ben ben miller one of our writers and okay. also present was former 
uh, former Orlando City or former um, mainland writer and former podcast co-host Andrew Harrison was out there with us. Oh my goodness, I haven't I haven't seen or talked to Andrew in forever. How is he doing? He's doing really good. He's uh, he's doing well, and we had some beers at the uh, the Broken Strings uh, Brewery down there, uh, just down Church cool. Street from the stadium. And you know, by the time it was almost time for kickoff, I was like, "Do we want to go to the game, or do we want to have some more beers?" Um, <laughs> but we went to the game, and uh, okay. it was it was a it's one of those games where the team that you're playing just doesn't really want you to score, but they're not really trying all that hard to score themselves. And it was kind right. of a it was kind of a pain in that respect. Uh, and or, you know, the U.S. was able to finally break them down and score a goal late on a, just a really lucky deflection uh, off a of Jossie Zardes shot, which I thought <laughs> I just thought Zardes played poorly the whole night. I was I was griping about him on Twitter. I was griping about some stuff, but um, overall, it was nice to see the U.S. play uh, again in person. It's been, it's been since the the qualifier against Panama. Uh, and it was, you know, they they looked to be the better side. They looked in control most of the night. They didn't give up a ton of chances. Uh, defensively, they were very sound. And it was uh, it was a good win and probably a deserved win, even though uh, the goal was ridiculous. And I laughed for like a good five. Like everybody around me was cheering in the stands. And I was laughing at the top of my lungs. And people were looking at me like I'm crazy. But I thought it was the funniest goal I've ever seen. It was like. Oh, it was it was funny. I mean, the only thing that I can imagine that would be funnier is if an Atlanta player puts a stoppage time goal in his own net, uh, trying to back pass it to Guzan, and it hands Orlando City the win. That's probably the only thing that would make me laugh more. Right. So yeah, it, it was a good win. Yeah. You're not wrong, though, because I, I was quite literally laughing uh, as always, watching that match after he scored that goal, like he scored it, and I cheered. Then I started laughing, uh, <laughs> it, just because of everything that uh, you and I have talked about and written about uh, Zardes uh, in recent weeks. And then for him to get that kind of goal, I was it. It's it was such a it, it was such a him thing to do. Um, yeah, to have you know, an it, absolutely it, terrible game and then just rescue it out of nowhere on a, just a dumb luck play. Right, right. That is Jazzy Zardes uh, in a nutshell. And, uh, and and then he did something almost similar the next you know the next game as well, which we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, uh, I was I was happy for the I was happy for the win, uh, and I I laughed my butt off after I after I cheered. Uh, it, it was. Uh, yeah, I, it, you can't. If anybody watched the the Liverpool Everton game, uh, where uh, right right in the, like the ninety fourth minute, uh, Liverpool scored, and it would have been two derbies ago. Uh, it was it was that kind of feeling to that goal. It was it was a oh, did that really just happen? That that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, I was watching the play, and I, and I was just like. The ball gets deflected, and it's in midair, and I'm sitting there just being mad at Zardes because he had the he had an opportunity to play someone in and didn't, and the ball keeps carrying, and I'm like, that's not going to go in. That that might actually go in. That's no way, no way can that go. Oh my god, it went in, and then I just started laughing. And it, wait, it hit the crossbar. Yeah, yeah it, it was just hit ridiculous. The crossbar and dropped. It was absolutely the most ridiculous goal 
I've seen in a very, very long time. Like I said, since that Liverpool Everton game, and uh, I, like you, I just I, I started laughing. I don't know how. So it evidently, you and I are crazy men. So we got to go home happy Thursday night. So Orlando State, Orlando City Stadium now uh, a fortress for the U.S. Men's National Team. They are two and zero in the venue, and uh, then of course they played again the other night, uh, Tuesday night. That's why we're a little late getting the podcast out this week. Um, I had to write the recap for that, and they played Chile in Houston at the aforementioned BBVA Compass Stadium, which is hard to say. And uh, BBVA, they, yeah. Uh, Christian Pulisic uh, scoring four minutes in, and everything looks really good. And then five minutes later, they give up a goal, and uh, the defense looked really, really scrambly. It was a it was a different defensive pairing in the in the center uh, of the pitch with um, Gonzalez, Omar Gonzalez, and Matt Miazga. Uh, rather than uh, John Brooks and uh, Aaron Long, who uh, played in in uh, Orlando, and just uh, obviously a much better opponent, a much better attack. They had uh, a much more experienced team out there. They had, I think, four guys out there with more than a hundred caps. I think they had something like their second, fourth, or second, fourth, fifth, and seventh all-time leaders in caps on the pitch, or something like that, and. Um, they were all over uh, the U.S. until a really nice uh, tactical change from Burhalter as he went uh, with a five-man back line or a three. It could have been a three-five-two or five-three-two, depending on how you want to look at right. it. Um, but he he moved Tim Ream inside, put Daniel Lovitz out there, and who I always want to call John Lovitz because I'm old and I remember <laughs> 80s movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Daniel Lovitz went I out there. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> So he, yeah, it was, and it, from that point on, it was it was much better. But neither team really had a good scoring chance, uh, too many good scoring chances in the second half. Zardes did get a good second chance, uh, second half chance when um, a ball kind of fell or got deflected to Sebastian Legette, and he he had a collision with a defender. They both went down. The ball just kind of squirted into the box, and Zardes ran onto it and uh, kind of made a sliding kick at it to try to put it in, but he couldn't get it on frame. Uh, Zardes did have a much better game, and I was pretty, I was probably more upset than most people to see his name on the starting uh, lineup. But um, and then 20 seconds into the game, he had his first turnover and his first bad touch, and then he had a really, really great play to set up uh, Pulisic's goal in the fourth minute—a a long ball forward from Ethan Horvath and a great takedown uh, by Zardes, who pulled it down with a really nice touch and then gave. Uh, Pulisic, a, a great ball to run onto and score. So uh, he was very instrumental in that play. You're under you're understating that one in Zardes terms. He had a good first touch on that ball. Oh yeah, no, that he, is he had a fantastic so, first touch. It was that is so yes, but that is so incredibly rare for him. I know. I called that. It, it I, needs to. I called right, it a unicorn. It needs, on Twitter, it needs to be I said, it's a unicorn. It's a unicorn. <laughs> A great touch by Jossie. It's a unicorn. Um, but, yeah, it, it was it was nice to see. And he had a couple other really nice plays in that game. But uh, the U.S. had some chances in that game to get another goal and couldn't do it. Pulisic had another uh, chance where he was uh, sent down the yeah. left side, and he took a heavy touch near the keeper, and uh, he was able to come off his line and make a play. And then there was an, another similar play where I think it might have been Paul Ariola that had the heavy touch. 
uh, and he had his his chance snuffed out. There were a couple of chances where they got in behind. They could Chile's defense is something you can get in behind, and, and the U.S. had several chances to do that, and they they messed them up. Corey Baird had a uh, just a, an incredible pass from Michael Bradley and went down the right side. Yeah, and he yeah. tried to get it in the middle for Christian and. He sent him just an absolute fireball of a pass that was about two feet behind him, and there was just no way to handle that. Um, just a little too spicy. And he, and he even still tried a little bit. I mean, he I mean, he still got a foot on it. And yeah, he tried to just touch it to, to try to take some of the sting out of it, so maybe Ariola could yeah. run onto it at the back post. But he, there was no bringing it in. Uh, just no. way, way too spicy. Too much spice on that. Uh, but, um, again, it was... Uh, you know, Burhalter was trying to do something nobody else had done and win her first win his first four games as U.S. men's national team head coach. Uh, he's unbeaten in four because he got the one-one draw, but it would have been nice to have gotten them the win. You still have to be happy with you know what's happened since he's taken over, and like you said, tactical change there um, to uh, to adjust for uh, Chile's attack. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we have the the little downer of. Uh, of Pulisic going out with a quad injury. Um, you know, that's more bad, I guess, for Borussia Dortmund than for the U.S., uh, depending on how bad it is. But, um, you know, it, all in all, um, it, I'm, I'm very pleased with these, the, with the two games. Like you said, Chile was obviously a better opponent than Ecuador, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, to get out, get out of there with a, with a draw, I thought was great. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm liking, you know, the the Burr Halter, uh, you know, process so far. So it's so far it's all good. I mean, obviously at some point there's going to be a loss, but um, you know, it, it's still. It, we mentioned this, um, I know, last last year at some point uh, when we were, before Burr Halter came on, is that uh, it, we're still years away from the World Cup. And this is going to be a long process. We're in step two out of 40. So, you know, enjoy the ride and, um, you know, take these take these wins and draws and, and small victories and, and, and little steps uh, towards the, the men's national team becoming a, a better squad mm-hmm. within the international community. I will take it. If you can give me three wins out of every four from the U.S. and not conceding a goal three games out of every four or only conceding once out of every four games, I'll take that. That's I'll take it every time. Yeah, that's the way, I, that's the way I'm, I'm wired. But, yeah, it's... I'm not proud. Chile's one it. of those... It's one of the <laughs> one of the better teams in Conmebol. It's, uh, you know, they're the two-time yeah. uh, Copa America champions. They're, you know, back-to-back. So it's, you know, not a bad team to play. They had a... a, a they, there's some pressure on their manager to perform, and he wanted a result. And only got a draw. Um, you know, he he had a good squad on the field. It's, you know, they, they didn't have Alexi Sanchez because of uh, injury, but you know, he had a pretty strong squad. Arturo Vidal played pretty much the whole game, I think, and um, you know, he's a pretty good player too. So, uh, good to yeah. see the U.S. Uh, except for you know, had an injury, one significant injury in each game with Weston McKinney. Hurting his ankle, Kenny, yeah. yeah, and then uh, and then you know, Christian. Um, we don't know how bad the quad is. They say it's a, they say it was precautionary, but Christian's had injuries before, and it's really kind of derailed the U.S. qualifying uh, efforts. So uh, they can't really afford to lose him. They don't have a like for like uh, person that they can no. plug in there. So 
and, well and you soon. saw what he can do. Yeah, and you saw what he can do when he has that space, like he like he did on that goal. I mean, so yeah. I mean, the U.S. was much much more dangerous when he was on the pitch, and and, and after he went out, there were very few chances. So, um, yeah, he's he's a very important cog. If as if I needed to tell people that. All right, Dave, we're just about done, but you know it's out right. of the, it's out of the frying pan into the fire. You go up and you beat the New York Red Bulls, the Supporter Shield winners, on the road, and your reward is the next week you get to come home and play a team that hasn't conceded or lost a game yet this season in DC United. Uh, a very very tall order to come home and play uh, a very very good DC United team. What is your key matchup and what is your score prediction? Hoy. All right. So, uh, key matchup, and I've been very, uh, I do have, I keep a spreadsheet of this, guys, just so that you know. Uh, I've been very uh, consistent here. It is uh, the defensive back line uh, versus uh, Rooney and Areola. Um, as you said, uh, they haven't conceded, so, um, and more importantly, they've also, I think they have seven seven goals on the season at least um including the four or five goal match last week so um shutting that down or at least you know keeping that uh keeping that to a minimum is going to be very very important um oh, we're at home uh, we're coming off a win it's all good stuff um i like where the team is headed but uh i'm going to be a debbie downer and I'm going to say a 2-1 uh, loss at home uh, with the hope that I am completely wrong again this week. Well, you and I are going to have to change up the order we do this because, again, you've ch- taken my score prediction. Stolen your score prediction yeah, again. Well, here's the good news, listeners. <laughs> Anytime we do that, we're wrong. <sighs> yeah, uh, I'm going to say 2-1 also. I think that D.C. is just right now one of the best teams in the league. Right off the bat, they were at the end of last season, and they are now. Acosta is playing really, really well. Rooney is just clowning this league. And, um, you know, they're going to get Ariola back from national team duty. He's a, another good player. Uh, Zoltan Stieber. I mean, they, they've, they've got so many weapons. And I agree with you also about the key matchup. I think it's the defense against the the four or five man attacking front of of uh, DC but I also think that it's not just the back line it's Brian Rowe and it's the midfielders as well they've got to deny space they've kind of got to play this game I think a little bit like they played against Red Bulls uh, the the tendency is to come home and try to open up and play with a little more flair a little more style a little more entertaining but I don't think they can I think they need to do the same thing this week and go safety first and get the ball yep. out and not turn it over and not give the you know not give the visitors chances they just need to kick it out play safety and you know take their chances when they get them hopefully they can hit back on the counter now i do think that um certainly with Aaron Long missing for Red Bulls that was a a situation where um you know it was tough for New York but i thought Tarek played really really well in his place, and of course Tim Parker is very good, so it's still good good center backs. Uh, but now you're yeah. going to go up against another couple good center backs for United, and Bill Hamid is you know every bit as good as Luis Robles. So again, it's going to be hard to score. And I just think that I think Orlando is just a little bit offensively challenged, and I think DC right now just has too much firepower. So that's why I think two one, and I think the key matchup really if the team's going to sc- 
going to steal any points. They have to have another, uh, just another absolute fantastic defensive effort, and, and it's got to be for 90-plus minutes. They, they can't let down for a second. Right. Yeah, well, we, we saw last season what happens when you let down for a second against uh, Wayne Rooney. Yeah, we did. And I don't even think that was necessarily a letdown. I was kind of let down by... No, it wasn't. Uh, I was let down by uh, the video review process in that game. I, I think four times I think I was let down by the video review process in that game. It, it, uh, it, was, it was not good, Bob. No, it's like, oh, he's going to the video review. Uh, nope, nope. In favor of DC. Uh, I was going to video review. Uh, nope, in favor of DC. Again, again, and again. Was it clear and obvious? No, but that doesn't matter. It still went DC's way. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, we will find out what happens on the field this week. Orlando should get back uh, Tesho Akindele and uh, Will Johnson. Not sure if they'll be ready to suit up for this game, but they should be ready to come back within the next week or two. It looks like they're getting very close. Tesho is starting to warm up with the team, uh, which means he's not far off from getting out there for full training. Um, Will is getting through concussion protocol, and hopefully he'll be back soon. We've we've, uh, heard positive things out of James O'Connor about that. Um, unfortunately, Alex DeJohn is out for a couple of weeks. At least a, a minimum of a few weeks is what we've been told. And um, well, We have Janssen. Janssen is, is good to go. Sané, for now, is healthy enough to play. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> there's some guys that can play. Kamal Miller will be coming back from the Canadian national team. So uh, there's some reinforcements coming. Sebas Mendez will be back. Uh, so it should be pretty close to full strength for both teams and it should be a great game on Sunday at 6.30 at Orlando City Stadium. Well, hopefully they'll, uh, they'll do what they did last week and surprise the heck out of both of us. That would be nice. Alright, we'll come back next week, Dave. We'll, we'll talk all about it. We will break down the game. We will talk a little bit more about the Pride, of course. Uh, we will have some U.S. Women's National Team upcoming games to talk about. Uh, we really will have just tons and tons of stuff to discuss which is always good because we're in the middle of it we're in the thick of things we'll talk about the ocb opener we'll talk about the sea wolves whether they're still in the playoff hunt and we'll get ready for the colorado rapids as well so tons of things to talk and we'll about answer all, and we'll answer all your questions on twitter or email yeah, that you're going to do this week that's right and we'll read your five-star reviews from itunes so uh, get those absolutely because you don't want to be left in the dust when everybody else's five-star reviews are getting read that's that would, right. That would be that would make you feel sad, and we're not yes. about, we're not about that life making people feel sad. We leave that no. Uh, we leave that up to the Red Bulls social media team. Those kind oh, of things. Oh, nice. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so you want to get uh, get a hold of Dave or myself? We're both on Twitter. He's at Mainland Dave. I'm at Mainland Michael. You can reach us on Twitter. You can read our stuff at the Mainland and leave us comments under our stories over at themainland.com. And, of course, we ask that you like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and all that good stuff. And we'll be back next week to do it all again, Dave. And uh, until then, there's nothing left to do but sign off the way I always do by saying, Go City, Go Pride, Go OCB, Go Seawolves, Go U.S. Women's National Team.